Hello, everybody. Welcome back to your Hard in the Paint NBA podcast, the only NBA cast that asks the hard questions about the NBA. I'm your host, Matt, and again, joined by Michael on this wonderful March 6th. Nice Friday afternoon NBA talk. You got some game recaps from this week that we want to go over, as well as the hunt for the eighth seed and exciting things like the return of Steph Curry. But before we get into that, let's give a special shout out to our sponsor for this episode. And that is of course the United States postal service. Now you might know them, you might love them, you might hate them, but the USPS has been serving American lives in America for over 150 years, giving quality service and timely deliveries to whether it's just a postcard, a handwritten letter, your taxes, or whatever packages you might be getting. So make sure you go give a special handshake to your local postal worker. Let them know that that pension is sick, and uh, don't be mad when the line is really slow. Just like the slow lines of play from last night's games. So we uh, intentionally waited to do this episode to see the return of Steph Curry. And it was uh, not the most exciting thing in the world, but it was nice to see him back on the court with his uh, Sour Patch Kids shoes going out it and uh, making some threes, making some nice passes. And honestly, the biggest takeaway I had from this was Steph Curry is head and shoulders better than everyone else on his team. It's it's absolutely insane how even not playing for almost, you know, I guess 50 some games now, he was just like, boom, making these crazy passes, these reads, and his team just wasn't keeping up with them at all. You know, I actually had this like kind of written down on my handwritten notes. Um, is Steph Curry the greatest player to only play five games in a regular season? And I think you basically answered my question. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. <laughs> I mean, there was two or three passes last night where the guy was just like caught surprised that he had the ball in his hands and he had a wide open shot and he just didn't realize it. Ah, uh, yeah, there was right from the get go. There was kind of the. Curry lays it off to a dude kind of at the, you know, you know, kind of at the top. And then he kind of, you know, he'll run around to the corner and he basically expects like the ball back. He does this a lot with uh, Draymond. Um, but obviously Draymond's injured. So the dude just is, does not understand that play. So he just ends up shooting the ball and Steph's like clapping his hands in the corner. Like, what the fuck? Yeah. And it's great. Yeah. But um, <laughs> I don't know. You look pretty good good as far as i could tell i mean for a guy that basically has missed 50 60 games um you know he puts like a 23 7 and 7 which is pretty respectable considering you know i generally don't know what i was to be expected really because like he was playing against toronto which is like one of the tougher teams to come you know just randomly go th- back into a game form with right it's not like he was playing um i don't know the hawks or something where it's like you know nobody gives a shit anyway but it's like kyle larry's like tagging your ass the entire game it's like, yeah 
Yeah, I was like, what a, what a uh, challenge to come back from right away. And of course they like, not that they have a rivalry or anything, but they know how to play Steph, like just from all their playoff experience last year. Yeah, and I mean, that was the thing, right? Like nobody on that Warriors team who played last night except for Steph was in the finals just like less than a year ago, which is kind of mind-blowing. Like the roster turnover, at least. Yeah, absolutely. And it definitely showed. I mean, you know, it was like a 10-point game pretty much the whole game. Uh, kind of always expected Toronto to win, but you were just hoping for some six Steph Curry highlights, really. Yeah, you are hoping that he would, I don't know, do something crazy. Like, he would just come out and, like, nail, like, eight threes or something. Or just something uh, NBA Twitter would get their arms around. Yeah. What do you make of the uh, Steph-Wiggins pairing? Uh, didn't seem very good. Does Wiggins have chemistry with anybody in the league? I mean, he should have chemistry with LeBron James, right? I mean, he's the reason why they have a title. I'm just saying, like, Wiggins is basically a, you know, 2-3, right? Like, he's basically a shooting guard slash small forward. And you would think that would complement most teams... Especially on this team, which currently has no small forward, no shooting guard, no power forward, and basically no center. He's he's in such a weird spot because I, you know, everyone was trying to justify this Wiggins trade, saying, "Oh, well, he'll be the next like Harrison Barnes for this team." Mm-hmm. Like, well, hold on a second. Harrison Barnes is actually like physically a person, and like doesn't take away shots really from anybody and can at least like positionally like stay in front of somebody like LeBron or you know these other monsters in the game yeah it got really weird when I got to this point kind of like towards the uh, end of the first quarter where I was like oh five G leaguers and then I was like, oh, shit, no, one of those is Andrew Wiggins, like former number one pick. Yeah, <laughs> I was thinking the same thing. I'm like, wow, this is just Steph, a, D- a D-League team versus like the Raptors bench. <laughs> like That's true, too. Yeah, basically the Raptors are hamstrung on injury, too. They have like, they're basically playing Rockets ball, but not by choice because all their big guys are out. I know Ibaka came back, but I think that was like Ibaka's like first game in like a week. Uh, yeah, exactly. So. But it worked. I, I mean, Siakam looked pretty good. Uh, I mean, you know. The Siakam, like, Norman Powell, Kyle Lowry, like, trio is, like, actually really good. Um, I don't know if it's just they played together enough that it kind of works, but, mm. like, that's kind of a formidable core as a team moving forward. And obviously, Toronto, they're basically sitting number two in the East, I think. Um, I think they're slightly above Boston, so it'll be kind of them or Boston that'll probably get the number two seed, which is kind of a big deal because basically the top six is sort of like set, and then you kind of have the seven or eight seeds, which are probably going to be like the Nets and the Magic, uh, maybe the Wizards. So it's like getting the two seed would actually like really help you out in the first round, and then obviously, depending on if it's like a Toronto-Boston matchup, home court can matter quite a bit. Absolutely, yeah. That, that being able to play against that second tier of team in the first round would be like losing the first game to Orlando, 
like last year again yeah i mean even <laughs> if it's just like a well even if it's just like a rest thing right where it's like you knock it out in five games whereas like if you're like the three seed you might end up playing the pacers and that could go to like six or seven games easy yeah absolutely uh speaking of uh the east and the declining uh, nature of the east uh, miami has been on a tailspin except they totally blew out the bucks the other day uh got their got all of their mojo back in one game and i didn't watch any of this i kind of wish i did because it actually was pretty fucking brutal on the on the uh you know the tail of the tape at the end of the game what would you think of this game uh i watched the first half uh this game and i was like blown away by how basically from the get-go they were they were shutting down Giannis. um i don't i know that the bucks were on a back-to-back so i don't know if that played into it or whatever but um i don't know like jimmy butler just kind of took it upon himself without actually guarding Giannis to like somehow it was almost like he was positioning um bam into like the spots to just kind of get in the way and then they kind of did like a gang kind of rebound thing on him it's kind of similar to what um the mavs did with like zion the other night too where it's like oh this is going to be the the big guy who's just running down the middle of the court why don't we just try to box him out uh and then it helps when miami like shoots a shit ton of threes and the bucks who usually are a pretty good three-point shooting team like as a whole have a pretty off night um i think miami ended up making like 12 more threes than the bucks so that's like a 36 point swing which you know probably is is the reason why miami ended up winning that game was basically oh you shut down Giannis and then you guarded the three. Oh, yep that's basically how you beat the bucks yeah and and the crazy part is is you would think to shut down Giannis, you would want at least like a guy above 6'10 somewhere on your team. <laughs> and they don't have that. <laughs> well, I mean, you know, it was kind of like similar to what Toronto did last year, right? Where they put Kawhi on him. It's like, you know, you just put your best defender on him and you just kind of, you know, he's not, you know, as long as he, if he doesn't put up 30, but he puts up like 18, then it's like, where are those other 12 points going to come from? And you would think that it would just be guys on the perimeter shooting four threes. But then it's like, if the entire team sucks from three on an, on the same night, you know, you're going to catch them out unless Chris Middleton goes on a tear. And, you know, it wasn't like one of those games. I mean, I think Chris Middleton basically played his usual game. So, I mean, I don't know if that's going to happen, like, in a seven-game series where it's like, can you count on that four times? Probably not. Can you count on that once when you're at home? Yeah. Yeah, that's like, that's what I was thinking. Is it's it's the blueprint, but is it sustainable? You know, I mean, we've seen the past two years, Giannis get walled off for seven games, and it doesn't work every single night. It works, you know, three out of six but I mean, nights. But I mean, if you're the you know quote unquote like underdog team, maybe that's all all you're trying to do, right? Is get it to game seven, and then you know oh, game yeah. seven in Milwaukee. I mean, that's just like a crapshoot, right? I mean, if you I mean, Philly, Toronto last year. I mean, we see this all the time, right? Where it's like game seven and just, you know, shots get tight. And then it's like one or two guys end up making the difference that knocks out the other team. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, that is good to see. I think 
uh, it's either today or tomorrow we get Bucks versus the Lakers. So that's their second matchup. So that'll be that's the hype Bucks like uh, revenge game almost. That'd be interesting. Uh, another great game, not really that great, but it started out okay, I guess. It was the Clippers versus the Micro Rockets yesterday? <laughs> I, I'm trying to think of a better nickname for them, like Micro Rockets, like the the missiles. I, I don't know, like <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm calling the 737s because they're going down, dude. Yeah, so I guess this started out really earlier this week where they played the Knicks, the team with like four power forwards, <laughs> which I guess is their ultimate worst matchup now that you think about it. <laughs> well, it was all the, I mean, there was a whole like, you know, the 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 fanfare up to it. Harden was like, it was obviously last year Harden put up like 60 in Madison Square Garden. So this year he was like kind of saying the same shit. He was like talking it up, uh, you know, I think he was like gonna like give out like a pair of shoes for every like point he scored or something, and then obviously they fucking laid an egg and uh, yeah, probably the worst loss of the season, probably the greatest Knicks win in the last like three years. But yeah, it was pretty. Uh, I mean, it was kind of close, so eh, you can say that. But it definitely was not a good Rockets performance by any stretch. If anything, it was the R.J. Barrett is not terrible performance. Well, this is the Mike Corzumba, R.J. Barrett is breaking the NBA type of game. Yeah, and I think the play that really cemented his breaking is, you know, at the end he does this crazy drive on P.J. Tucker and he just kind of bullies him out of the way. I was like, what? That dude's at least like 40 pounds heavier on you. I was kind of shocked. Um, but, I mean, hey, you know, the Knicks got to take their wins whenever they can get because uh, they still won't sell the team. You know, they still kick fans out for cheering to sell the team. So, hey. Do you think the Knicks in the next two years will flip R.J. Barrett for something? Absolutely. I would only make this so right. much better. <laughs> um, so, getting back to the, kind of the Houston Clippers game, you know, this has potential to actually be an actual matchup in the playoffs. Um, I don't know, just a lot of variance, I would say, because it's it's almost like you wouldn't take the Rockets to win that series. But then again, it's like they just shoot so many threes that it's like, you know, maybe they end up doing it, right? I mean, like, I guess while I was watching it, you know, and I basically I watched it until it became a blowout, um, you could kind of see the map of, like, how would Houston try to be like, how would Houston beat both LA teams? And it's like, Oh, you can kind of see it, right. It's going to be, you kind of have Westbrook be sort of this focal point of the offense. Lots of like transition layups, um, threes, obviously, and a lot of switching on defense and, you know, you can kind of see it, but I don't know if it's a, you know, I don't know if it's, it'll be successful in the playoffs, but see, this is where I get conflicted on them because it did, was not a very good Harden game yesterday. No, uh, and that's what's like kind of crazy to me is that it's like as Westbrook has gotten really good post Capella trade, it's like Harden's kind of plateaued, and I don't know if that's a good thing or a bad thing. <laughs> yeah, and 
it really changes up this this sort of playoff idea because right now they feel like a micro bucks team almost like you know micro bucks all right pretend like like Westbrook, Westbrook is, the is Giannis. their Giannis yeah and then <laughs> and then like Harden is like their Chris Middleton right now oh I like this and here's the problem with that is you just wall off Westbrook. Because it's the playoffs and there's less transition. There's better coordinated defense. Uh, and then you have to rely on the other guy, who's James Harden, which should be better because James Harden's obviously a better player than Chris Middleton. So I think that's where it gets better. But here's the trick with that is in the game last night, they were just leaving Westbrook open. I mean, they were playing the Tony Allen offense on him. like uh, So... That's where it's like a little bit of A, a little bit of B. I don't know. I don't feel that much better about it, but it's nice to see like Westbrook not get totally shit on by everyone in the league, which is nice. Like, uh, you know, it is a little bit of a redemption story, but is it, it almost feels like empty stats. It's like, okay, well, either you or Harden's going to get those points. It doesn't really matter. So, well, so they do have a chance of getting, you know, a top four seed. I mean, probably not the one seed unless something miraculous happens in the last three weeks of the season. But, I mean, if you're running through the teams in the West, right, you got the Lakers, you got the Clippers. Probably taking both of those teams against the Rockets. But if it's Houston-Denver, I mean, who would you take? I think I'm going to take Denver on that one. All right. Well, what if it's Utah? I have to take the Rockets. That's just how it's how the world works. The Rockets always beat the Jazz every time. Oklahoma City? Then then I think I start feeling good picking the Rockets, right? So that's that's the sixth seed, right? Yeah. And then you get like Dallas, Memphis, Portland. Yeah. Then it feels like a shootout almost. Like... So, I mean, basically, apart from the two L.A. teams and maybe Denver, Houston's looking pretty good, despite not actually having a center. And even then, it's, you know, their whole, you know, going for bust mission plan here. I mean, the last few years, we've seen that in the playoffs, small ball tends to dominate. And if they run off guys like KP or Rudy Gobert or Jokic, or even like Dwight Howard and uh, 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 fuck Zubach or Zubach and who's the other fucking Lakers uh, target? Javale McGee. Yeah. I mean, if they run all, if they run those guys off the floor, you got to say that kind of favors Houston by a lot outside of the two Lakers teams. But my trick with that is, is it seems like when we get to the playoffs, that doesn't it's just a lot harder to find all those transition moments where that feels good. Like, you know, think of, you know, even like, you know, Westbrook and Harden just notoriously get worse as soon as the postseason hits because those easy baskets just aren't there. Mm. Like same thing happens with Giannis and like Ben Simmons and these sort of, uh, free bucket transition guys. Okay. Because people just get back, like they're they're they just like part of the game plan. It's like one guy crashes, sure. the other four get back. 
my counterpoint is the last time Westbrook and Harden played together, they made the NBA Finals. One for one on that prediction. So, I mean, hey. I mean, are we sure that... I'm just kidding. Um, what do you make of the Clippers? You think You think the Clippers are, you know, quote-unquote, turning it on now? It definitely uh-huh. feels like that. There was there's some moments I'm a little surprised still like how like their offense is really solid but it feels like they only do like three or four actions like ever. So that's the part that bugs me and I feel like that's just a Doc Rivers thing is like we're going to have like four actions that are really fucking good and not have too many wrinkles. Um so I think that's just a coaching thing and it kind of makes a lot of sense when you think of all the things that the Clippers can do. Um, but LeBron's always had that number, right? Except for the the fucking one year where the Celtics won. So, like, a little worried by that. Um, but the Clippers, you know, I was watching Paul George last night mostly because you know, he's been very all over the place this year and the injuries and those things. And the dude's got some real freaking more shifty moves than I thought he did. Like, I don't know. It's just those kind of extra dribbles he takes. And they aren't like like crazy footwork. It's just like the way he shifts his shoulders and things. It's a little more shifty than I remember. But it still isn't like successful at it i guess like it looks really good but then the shot always rims out or something like i i'm still not convinced that he is you know thank goodness he's not the number one guy on a championship team because i don't think he's that number two eh, like i'm i'm i feel like he should be a number two but i'm not convinced he's not gonna choke yeah i think with paul george i think his The highest, his apex of like as a player, I think would be like 2001 Kobe, where it's like you're the best possible sidekick, or like a Scotty Pippen, right? It's like you are, you could be the best sidekick in NBA history, but you're never going to be like the finals MVP. Yeah. And and maybe that's more of like a. Mm. But I think that's just because you got fucking Kawhi, who I think is the best player in the league. If I'm trying to win a championship. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, that's just too much to deal with. Too much I mean too much ground you have to make up there. Best defender and like guaranteed inside shot every time. I, I mean that move that he's got where he goes down the right and it's like two steps and then it's like down to the baseline and then it's like this kind of like jumper this way, like where it's like swinging I guess back into the court. I mean that's like a, that's like a money shot every fucking time. Yeah, and and he not just only that, nailed that baseline. <laughs> like Kawhi's threes have gotten so much better. It seems like like it feels like he doesn't settle for them. He just kind of like shoots one up and it goes in. Like it's part of his bag now. Yeah, I mean, I mean, it's all in the All Star game. Like it's been this year. It's been more of his thing. But compared to the past couple years, where he seemed hesitant to shoot that shot, he seems much more willing to do so. Yeah, I mean, it kind of made sense, right? Because, like, in the Spurs, it's, like, not exactly uh, the most analytics-friendly team. And then he goes to, like, Toronto, where they're they're probably just saying, you know, Kawhi, you can do whatever the fuck you want because we're just trying to keep you. And then, like, once he gets to the Clippers, the Clippers are actually, like, a little bit more focused on 
kind of the, I guess, the technical analysis part of the game. Um, so they tend to, you know, kind of kind of look at that stuff. So maybe they've kind of pushed Kawhi in that kind of direction a little bit more. Um, but, I mean, this – it was kind of a – just such a weird game because it was like you could just as easily see that game, like the same game from like last night going the opposite way where it's like Houston's up by 17 by halftime. I mean, I, I don't know how much to really read into that game. I think the best thing to read into that game would be Pat Beverly versus Wessel Westbrook. <laughs> Just those PTSD flashbacks from all those <laughs> previous uh, encounters. That'd be pretty exciting to watch. I guess if it ended up being uh, a Clippers-Rockets series somewhere in the playoffs, who would you take? I take the Clippers. I assume, you know, everybody's playing every game. Everyone's healthy. Like, I, I think the Clippers, uh, I know benches Clippers don't matter don't really, as much, but. Yeah. Well, the Clippers don't really have a big guy except for Zubach, right? So it's like, if Zubach doesn't get a whole lot of minutes, then the Rockets aren't really caught out by the whole small ball thing. Right. But the other trick is, is they can do the Knicks thing where they play Harrell and like uh morris morris and Kawhi and paul george so that's like and joe kim noah yeah and now joe kim noah so that's that's four guys that are six six and taller so yeah and three of them are at least good on defense (laughs) so i mean that's pretty solid if you're just trying to build a wall like for these you know Giannis westbrook types so what do you make of the uh Joakim Noah signing signed a 10 day. Yeah. Um, you know, ring chasing former defensive player of the year. How many defensive player of the years do they have on that team? <laughs> two. <laughs> yeah, two. Well, I guess the Lakers have, uh, what one is as well, right? Dwight only won it once, right? I think Dwight won it a couple of times. The jazz but... have two though. So, I mean... That's true. He's going for his third straight. I don't think he'll get it this year. So, what's what's up in Jazz Corner? Uh, jazz Corner is... Uh, a big what-the-fuck still. Like... This this Conley thing just, just... I know I say it every week, but it's like, wow. Who would have thought that would have been the biggest mistake of the <laughs> offseason? Should they have kept Rubio? Like... I don't know. I almost would have said for all that money that you just like hooked up to like grab someone with some promise, like geez, uh, who would have been available? Like, I don't know, like grab like a Devin Booker type or something like Devin Booker. You think Devin Booker would have gelled with Donovan Mitchell? Like those dudes would have just been like in each other's like spots all game long. Well, here's the trick is I think we just have to accept the fact that Mitchell is a point guard, not a Dwayne Wade two guard. Like we just need to, we just need to accept that fact and then scale everybody else up. So, you know, stop playing him with, with Conley except for like spot minutes. Cause that isn't working out at all. Uh, you know, 
have have this spark plug jordan clarkson off the bench okay sure whatever like i I don't expect him to do much in the playoffs uh and so you got to have this like second guy in your in your wings somewhere that can actually like break someone down off the dribble because that's not bogey's game that's not angle's game that's not you know they're rotating small forward stack game at all so that's really the big problem is is they needed another perimeter breakdown guy and uh they gave 30 million dollars a year to a guy that doesn't do that you know i was watching a toronto phoenix game the other day and i didn't realize how tall Devin booker was like for some reason i just had it in my head that he was like six two and i'm like looking at him on the court and i'm like fuck like did he grow like Anyway, um, if you were, all right, if the Celtics offered Gordon Hayward, they were just like, you can take Gordon Hayward back. We'll we'll just take our we'll take the money. You can take Gordon Hayward back. Would you, would you as the Jazz take Gordon Hayward? Absolutely. That's like, oh, okay. Yeah. Despite all the myriad of injuries. Yeah, because it's a it's he does like all a, that stuff you want right he beats people off the dribble he can pass in an offense he already knows the system it's a white small forward <laughs> yeah but was successful there in the past like okay like i think that would make sense i was thinking like you need a guy like i know i said devin booker uh because he like for all that money you should be able to get someone with like some years i mean left. it's kind of like it's kind of like a lou williams right <laughs> you just need a guy that will just score points yeah like a lou williams like a Markel Fultz, or like a derrick rose or like i was gonna say zach yeah, levine what, even well i mean derrick rose and donovan mitchell that's kind of a really small backcourt though yeah see that's the problem is like i wouldn't want to play them at the same time hmm. you want like that six five guy like six four like if you could have like eric gordon on that team like i would feel really good about it eric gordon okay or like maybe uh, maybe even Dion waiters oh uh, well he's taken out right by the lakers yeah i can't believe that still like <laughs> i can't believe that it came down to Dion waiters or jr smith <laughs> like what the fuck are they making <laughs> the two biggest like memes in like the past decade right weird weird fucking like decision that a lakers like i don't know if they're just trying to self-sabotage themselves or what or um who knows man who knows but um i guess speaking of memes and stuff james dolan got into a huge thing with spike lee yeah fuck james dolan can we just like i don't know why he's still around do you think over the summer, um, you know, since this will be the last NBA season, this coronavirus is going to kill everybody. Um, do you think Adam Silver and like we'll have like some discussions with like, I don't know, some other random rich dudes to be like, hey, why don't you try to buy the next? Why, like why don't you try to buy next? Why Jeff don't you, Bezos why don't you, or something? I mean, sure. You could choose like someone that's super wealthy, um, like the wealthiest guy in the world. Or, you know, you tote it down and you're like, Mike Bloomberg. You're not gonna be president. Why don't you just buy the Knicks? Why don't you buy the Knicks? You, you already spent all, your all ads. the money on ads. Just put that into Knicks fund. Exactly. <laughs> uh, <laughs> that would be the. What if he got like Andrew Yang to be the president of the Knicks? 
that dude, that'd be, be sick. Yo, so I'm reading Andrew Yang's book right now, and he actually does have a chapter on the Knicks. Oh, really? Oh, man, that's cool. <laughs> he talks about how uh, he uh, walked away from being a Knicks fan in 2014. Is basically the end of the chapter. He's like, I'm so fucking done with the Knicks. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so so let's hook this up. So Adam Silver, Andrew Yang, crossover into... Yeah, get Jeremy Lin as your ambassador. Bingo. And Nick's ownership. Oh, what, if they, what if they just went like super like Asian? They got like Roy Huchimara, Yao Ming, uh, uh, Jeremy Lin to form like an ownership, you know, be like the the face of the franchise with like Andrew Yang as like the financial backer. The triad of the Knicks ownership. Perfect. Oh, the Chinese triad. That's good. Yeah. New Yorkers love Asians too. So it makes it even better. Well, I mean, Chinatown. Let's just move Madison Square Garden to Chinatown. <laughs> oh, actually, I would. Realistically, though, like, if you had to pick a current Democratic can or not current, but one of the ones from this cycle to be the president of a basketball organization, it would have to be Andrew Yang, right? Well, yeah, he's probably the only one that actually watches basketball because you got people like fucking. Buddha judge who I who's like I don't think he knows what basketball is. But he's from Indianapolis. He's in I know, I know he's in South Bend, Indiana. But it's like, does that dude strike you? Like he strikes you a little too like Mark Zuckerbergy, right? Where it's like, you know, if I handed him a basketball, does he know what to do with it? Okay, what about like Tulsi? You think she could she could do it? I mean, she's no, kind of manly, I, right? I think I think she is more apt to fucking like shoot the damn basketball than anything. You know, you know, I was actually kind of thinking about this. Um, Trump is like the youngest guy, like out of Bernie, Biden, and Trump. Trump is the youngest one. Yeah, isn't that fucking wrong? Isn't that what we and, said uh, last time around? He's too old for this shit. Is what we said I, four I, years ago. I do some quick math. I think Obama. I think Obama in twenty thirty three would st- would be younger then than these three dudes are now. Yes. That's, that's fucking works. crazy. <laughs> <laughs> like, that's insane to me that, like, Obama, like, 13 years from now would be younger than these dudes running for president. Oh, man. You know, back in high school, uh, I had a friend who started a, uh, an under-35 political party. Looking pretty good now. Looking pretty good. We, we were the Daryl Morey of our time. That's all yeah. I'm saying is, is you know, for for the group that prides itself on anti-white rich old dudes you kind of fucked up guys you know who else fucked up jared allen he got fucking smoked by marcus smart (laughs) yeah he did oh my god that was sick (laughs) i'm so glad i tuned into that game yeah. <laughs> uh, but I would not watch a Nets game, but I was like, oh, it's Boston and uh, Brooklyn. So I was like, I got to watch it. Just I know Kyrie wasn't playing, but it was like, oh, you just got to watch it just to watch it. And then, I mean, fuck, it actually ended up being like a decent game. And then fucking Marcus Smart just blocked Jared Allen. Like, <laughs> so then I started doing some research on uh, what's like the shortest dude to block like the tallest guy. Oh, it has to be and... Nate on, on Yao, right? That's got to be the best. So... Nate Robinson generously listed as like five nine, and Yao is like seven four, which is like I think is one inch more than when Muggsy Bogues blocked Patrick Ewing. So those are your kind of contenders: is like Nate Robinson on Yao and Muggsy Bogues on Patrick Ewing. 
the greatest underdog block of all time. We need to make that like an NBA top 10. And I don't even, I don't actually know which one's way more like amazing because Muggsy was like, like Muggsy's like very short, like even real, like, you know what I mean? Like not like basketball short, but like real life short. Yeah. (laughs) Like he's short for like just a normal person on the street. Yeah. Whereas like Nate Robinson is probably like average height. You know, like five eight, five nine. He's like probably a, like you know relatively average height. Yeah. <laughs> so I, I mean, fucking, fucking a man. I so mean, we get one of these Christ per decade. God. Is that the rule? I guess. I I don't know. It just if you told me that like Steph was gonna come back, um, Houston's gonna get rid of center, and like Marcus Smart is gonna block Jared Allen, and it's like. Which of those are like the most likely? It's like, oh, I would have been like, oh, Steph coming back, like, and being like decent. But, and then like, you're like, okay, well, Houston getting rid of a center. Nobody's going to get rid of a center. And then fucking Marcus Smart blocks him. And it's like, all right, maybe, maybe we should just get rid of all centers. Like, <laughs> if you, if we're getting fucking owned by like a two guard, then, yeah. you know, maybe, maybe, maybe the Rockets are onto this. Like, so maybe we're not getting the them enough credit. Yeah. Maybe maybe they're just going to ruin the NBA. They're breaking the NBA, literally. Uh, speaking of breaking NBA Twitter, we had the uh, Zion versus Luka game the other day. This was the best game of the week. Yeah, it was. I didn't watch it, so I feel like an idiot. But uh, some pretty fucking Bro, dope highlights. My favorite part of that whole game, as I only saw the highlights, but like... Uh, that like last end part of the game where it's like Luca one on one versus Drew Holiday, and he like he does like four moves, gets defended, then like pulls it back, does like a pump fake, and then drives it and like basically crosses him up, and then the pass out to the assist, and then he gets the offensive board and brings it back out. It's like, geez, dude, like that's like using all your energy in the tank, but it was sick. Yeah, and then the Hawks were like, yeah, but you know what? We got Trey Young and Cam Reddish, so. Uh... Yeah, we obviously won the trade. <laughs> <laughs> no, yeah, it really was like an awesome game. It was like it was like one of those games where it's like, you know, you, you got enough like um talent on both sides that you're like, okay, this could be like a decent game. Uh and then it ends up being like this incredible game that goes into overtime and you know, you just got all these dudes and all these like matchups and stuff. Like Lonzo fucking comes out and dr- and like drills like three threes in the first like six minutes of this game and you're like well fuck i knew his like shot like looked better but like damn like yeah you know he's fucking and then and then you know you're looking at like dallas and you're like you know you got tim hardaway jr and uh uh finney smith and you're like you guys ever gonna get wings like yeah like fuck (laughs) lots of fucking murdering them out there and then um you know, Luca. You know, he still kind of hobbled with like the hand thing. You could kind of tell a little bit, but it, it, you know, it just felt like Luca. I don't know. It was like everybody else was like playing NBA basketball, and then Luca's kind of playing this other game entirely because he's just like kind of doing what he wants on offense. Like, I mean, it's like it's like, wait, how did he get a shot open? Wait, how did he make a pass? It's like he's the slowest guy on the court. Yet somehow he's like, I don't know, one move ahead of everybody. It's weird. Definitely the the like weirdest 
like body shape to success of the last yeah but then you have Zion (laughs) who is also who's like the exact opposite of of Luca he's like the best physical specimen and we've had in a long time minus like potentially being overweight like just fucking does whatever he wants on the court does his own thing because he just bowls people over seriously like how the fuck does Zion have low post moves already (laughs) he just played like 15 games and and all of his post moves were from college where it's shitty to be a post player and it's oh man i mean the zion versus like christoph's Porzingis, maxi kleber i mean seriously those fucking europeans man all right it was like fucking watching like rocky four out there dude well they were fucking taking it to zion and it's like i know zion is like by far the smaller of like or shorter of like those two dudes i shouldn't say smaller but like damn it was like a fuck like they were fucking like nailing zion <laughs> i mean I don't know, like Maxi Kleber, like damn, he had like such good defense last night. But he, like Zion still was making stuff. Though. Oh yeah, he was yeah. still like you know pounding him in the chest. But you're just like, you know, I mean, you know, unless you're like LeBron or Kawhi, like I don't know if you could play this any better. Yeah, and having to take that banging for seven game series, like that seems kind of rough. Oh man, it was just. The only thing that really stuck out to me is like the Dallas thing. It's like you got Finney Smith and you got Hardaway Jr. and you got, well, I guess you got all these like weird three name guys. You got like Michael K. Gilchrist and like Willie Colley Stein. And it's like they have no offense outside of Luca, KP, and Seth Curry. That does not seem good enough to win. A, like a first, even a first round, I would think. Yeah, barely I mean, a first it, round. Yeah. Like I don't, I don't think they could beat Denver or Houston or either of the LA teams, um, with that. But I mean, I, I guess, I guess they're basically going to clinch, you know, the seven seed as opposed to the eight. Because this basically what this game kind of was was like, you know, the Pelicans are trying to, you know, they're the outside looking in on the eight seed, and they're basically. That was one of the games that like kind of swings it both ways, but I mean, I don't know. Brandon Ingram, even I mean that guy, you know, he's kind of figured out like how to be Jason Tatum West. Yeah, that's what I was about to say. Like him and Jason Tatum both kind of figured out. Oh, I can do these moves every game and probably get a a decent shot. Yeah, and especially down the clutch. I mean, he made like a you know a baseline jumper and then he made a like a three um in like the last couple of minutes of the game to basically tie it and then i think take a two-point lead um before like luca like sent it to overtime and stuff but i mean just what a nice collection of young talent right you got luca and kp and zion and lonzo and brandon ingram and i don't know it was like if we get 10 more years of like, this is what a Zion versus like Luca matchup looks like. It's like, it's going to be, it's going to be a fun league. Yeah, absolutely. The big question I had though, coming out of it was, uh, so Zion with his low post moves, could it be better than Embiid? I know he's like eight, nine inches shorter, but he's got, Low post moves. He's got the power. He can shoot some threes. 
I'm still not convinced on his shot. Like, I, I think it if I can see like one or two more like good looking post fadeaways and like pump fake fadeaway. step in the line, shoot a long Dude, two. Dude, what nineteen year old has ever like shot fadeaways? Well, I mean, Embiid was a nineteen year old that shot fadeaways. I mean. That's what I need to see from him because there's going to be times where he's not like the bumping is just not going to work for him and for his like legs and and body sake, like it's probably better for him to start learning how to do fadeaways. I guess because he loves that drop step spin move and the best counter to that is to just fake back and shoot the shoot the uh, jumper. Oh yeah, yeah, to do like the. That's what LeBron um, does. Marcus like, Aldridge. Yeah, yeah I was gonna say LeBron and like Marcus Aldridge. I guess older Tim Duncan used to do that a lot too. Yeah, absolutely. Like, you're kind of like on the low block, kind of near the baseline, and you do like a spin away. So, um, I'm, maybe that'll come as he like figures out how to get like a touch. But he's, I mean, you know, unless he's like basically doing a layup or like a, a dunk, like he has no real. Um, like soft touch with the basket. Yeah, and I'm just, I, I'm not conf like I don't see the uh, confidence level in his shot, which I would like to see. Like, like I said with Kawhi shooting threes this year, it's like you can just see that he expects it to go in and it's gonna go in. And like, I'm not sure I mean, about the, that was Zion yet. If the Pelicans did that with Lonzo Ball, I mean, you gotta say since Zion's gonna be there for. At least five three and a years, half four years. years. I would say five and a half, right? Because he's gonna sign the max as like a rookie. Like, there's no way he's gonna like go into like free agency after like his rookie deal ends. He'll sign the uh, rookie max extension. He'll take then. the rose money and then get traded. Yeah. But I mean, like, you know, Pelicans is like all the pieces kind of fit together. You know, you kind of you kind of got the Lonzo, Drew Holiday backcourt, Brandon Ingram. Zion. I mean, hell, even Derek Favors looked really good last night. Um, you know, I thought like he kind of had that whole guy just fucking calm down kind of kind of attitude with it. It's like sometimes like he would just get the offensive rebound. He's like, all right, just, just fucking calm down, guys. Like, <laughs> I just think that if they do get into the playoffs or have any postseason luck, they're gonna need better like non chaotic offense. It feels like like it just seems like yeah. they kind of get get these like random transitions or like well, random like putbacks. Yeah, they're basically a college team. Like I they yeah. they don't have the the uh end of game wherewithal yet. And you know, that'll come in time. I mean I think they have it. The problem is JJ Reddick's injured. So I mean Yeah, that does bummer a lot. I mean that's basically a guy that can get you threes down the stretch. It's gonna make your free throws down the stretch too, where it's like Okay, we're up by two, and the other, and the team is the other like the opposing team is looking to foul us. Like, who do we like? You know, draw the play up so that way it's in the hands of player X, so that way they can go to the line. And obviously, they don't really have that. But I don't know. Good things, good things uh, for both both sides. Um, the Lakers have a couple of big games coming up. They got the Bucks and the uh, Clippers uh, over the weekend. Um, do you see them going two for two? Do you see them doing a split? I mean, if they beat both the Bucks and the Clippers in the same weekend, yeah, does that mean anything? It absolutely does mean something. And this will be 
I think this is a game that both teams should have circle on their calendar. Like, we got to see this Giannis versus LeBron at basically playoff strength. Like, they're they're about to turn the keys on the ignition and and uh, buckle down for you know the next couple months. So that's going to be really important to see. Um, my biggest question in both of those games really is Anthony Davis because I think we know what LeBron's going to do, but I'm not confident we're going to see like a 30 and 15 Anthony Davis game, which I feel like I need to see more of. Interesting. So your faith is actually with the Lakers more in LeBron at the age of like 35. I think for these two matchups, it is. Because when you think about it, it yeah, go ahead. Yeah. I'm just thinking like uh, paper on paper, like, Starting lineups, okay, you got... Who's Anthony Davis matching up with on the Clippers? Like, Harrell or, or Zubach, maybe? Like, seems like... Maybe Kawhi? Like, it seems like AD should win the, all three of those matchups. Just off of, like, size. Um, the Kawhi one, you know, maybe that's questionable. Who knows? And then when he goes... When they play the Bucks, I'm like, okay, who's he match up with? Like, Brooke Lopez? Okay, he should just space them out and out speed them okay or uh you know if he matches up against Giannis then it's like who the heck's guarding LeBron so you know that's that's my kind of uh, realm on that is I don't see the nice star for star matchup there and and think this is what we kind of came down to near the playoffs last year is you think like the stars tend to cancel each other out in these really tight games. Like, you know, take the like Lakers versus the Mavs, for example. It's like, okay, Luca and LeBron probably cancel each other out. Like AD and KP should cancel each other out, even though they probably don't. And then the others. And then, you know, this is our problem with like the Bucks, and it has been the past couple of years is like, Giannis cancels out the other team's best star, like for sure. But then Chris Middleton is like always a tier below the other team's second star player. And that's what I get worried by. Yeah. I mean, that's kind of what we saw in the Miami thing, right? It was like, if Giannis is having a bad night and all the other guys just don't have it from the three, can Chris Middleton be the guy that just says, fuck it guys. It's a back to back. Let's just fucking, win this game in Miami and then we'll fucking go home. And I guess, yeah, you're right. Like we haven't actually really seen something like that, which we usually tend to see out of, you know, those title winning teams, right? Like we saw this um, Miami, right? Like, uh, you know, 2011, it was like LeBron's basically falling apart against the Mavs. And then Dwayne Wade's like, all right, I guess I'll fucking win the title. Um, Obviously it didn't work out that way, but then, um, you know, 2016, uh, you know, the Warriors are down 3-1, 3-2, and they're going back to OKC, and then Clay has, like, the Clay game, right, where he just puts up, like, fucking, you know, 37 or whatever in, like, the fourth quarter and just, you know, basically crushes the spirit of Kevin Durant, where it's like, you know, Kyle Lowry last year, right? It's like Kyle Lowry game six is like, I'm going to score the first 10 points or whatever it was of that game and just fucking put this title to bed. So, yeah, I mean, I guess that's kind of what we're in for is like Chris Middleton to have 
one of those kind of games where it's like, you know, uh, you know, this may be Giannis' team, but like, if we're going to win the title, I got to do X, Y, Z. Yeah, so that's the number one thing I'm looking for. The second thing I'm looking for is the amount of LeBron post-ups. Well, you know, where he kind of takes it back to that, like, 2015 Cavs LeBron, where he's, like, posting up every possession. Yeah. And I want to see how good that fadeaway is, because that's, like, playoff basketball, right? It's, like, ball in the best player's hands, and they're in a very good spot for them. Does it work? And that's what I would like to see. You don't want to see Dion Waiters cost the Lakers one of these games? Is he even going to play? Like, is he even in game shape? <laughs> like, I, I don't even think he's it. Does it him. matter, or do you think he'll just come out of the court anyway? I don't even think he's going to travel with the team. <laughs> like, this is prime boating season right now. Like, he's got to get out on the water. So who do you take, Lakers, Bucks? I think I'm going to take the Lakers for both games. Wow. Yeah. All right. All we're, right. We're going to be, uh, we're, we're just going to go for it. Who are you taking, Biden or Bernie? Oh, God. I think Biden's going to win. It makes me who so sad to say. <laughs> who are you going to take, uh, the NBA Finals? Or coronavirus canceling the NBA Finals. Oh my gosh, it's been really crazy though the past like week or two. How many events have been? I think this past week has been like the oh this is like a this is like a poor people in other countries type problem to oh this is a problem here. Yeah, I, I think I think that like that switch was flipped this past week. I agree. So I read somewhere that like Italy. Are you canceled... working from home? No, I'm not. Not yet. No. No one. I don't think they. I think they only have one case in Utah right now, maybe two. Yeah. And they're they in there in close to County. Really? They wanted, yeah. So people have been like requesting to work from home and stuff. That's really funny. I'm uh, like so. So I think I read somewhere that like Italy canceled all crowds for like all sporting events. They're just doing everything closed audience. Which oh, is I'm like sure. fucking crazy to me. Like, if that happens over here, like they already have canceled stuff here. Like, uh, South by Southwest, I think, is getting canceled. Yeah. yeah. Or it's like closed audience or whatever. Um, I mean, there's all kinds of. Stuff. I mean, they push back like the James Bond movie, which I mean is a little bit more about the box office rather than actually caring about people. But yeah, of course. But you got to think like if we see like an NBA televised game with like no one in the stands, that's gonna be fucking weird. Because, like, we'll see people in college stands because people are fucking crazy about that stuff. But, like, that would be so ridiculous to, like... Like, what if I bought a ticket for a game, like, a month from now? Like, let's say it was, like, I don't know, fucking Bulls versus the Lakers in Chicago. And then it gets canceled because of coronavirus. Like, what the fuck do I do? Do I just lose that money? Like, shit. Nah, they would probably refund you. I, I am sure that they would. Uh, like that could just really damper so many uh, of the stuff. Well, right the Olympics now. could be. That could looks be like it's not going to happen at this rate. I I can't imagine that they would do it, especially because it's in Tokyo. Like like if it was like I don't know the the UK or America or you know Germany or something, I think they would 
probably still go ahead but like being in fucking tokyo it's like what <laughs> yeah and 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 uh a lot of water sports man the uh like like uh i got this travel notification from work that's like yeah you can't go to all of these countries like yeah no matter what yeah, yeah. and if you're from these countries you can't come back in it's like oh shit like works like cracking down on this real hard which makes sense because of all the connections we have but like wow like it's it's really serious but then i was reading a stat today that said uh i mean you like everybody kind of remembers the swine flu thing that went around a couple of years ago or gosh how long ago was that was that like 2016 swine flu maybe uh might have been before that. that right the zika was like 2016 yeah, it was Zika yeah, and then Zika. Ebola, and then yeah, so Ebola was like even a little bit older, yeah. Yeah, so 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 the numbers, like if you're comparing it to swine flu, which I guess is the most apt virus to compare to, just off of how it does things and and stuff. Uh, like in terms of American numbers, we are even halfway to swine flu yet. Yeah, but the problem is that the coronavirus seems far more like severe, right? In terms of like um how quickly you could die well so and how easily it is to spread versus like swine flu i I don't know if that's true or not because it seems like there's a lot of uh stuff going on like these days compared to when swine flu came out like how much publicity it's getting and how much like oh yeah i mean i know there's a lot more like twitter and Twitter, I mean, TikTok and like Twitter and Instagram and stuff, like obviously it's compounded it, but I don't know. I think it, uh, it's like, it's kind of an interesting like inflection point in the world of like, I don't know. The world is like at this kind of crossroads. <laughs> it's funny too, because I was listening to uh, some economist somewhere was like, you know, it's kind of a, at least for the market standpoint, the coronavirus kind of intentionally deflated this bubble that everyone is experiencing yeah, basically globally. It, it could have saved a recession. Yeah, which is a really weird way to think about it, but he's kind of right. Like, yeah, you know, it really... And, and the funny part, too, is, is if you... Like, the other half of his statement was, you know, if, if you rewind, like, six months ago when Trump was, like, trying to be all hard on China and, like, encourage people to bring their shit back over here to make it... <laughs> It's like wow, funny how that kind of worked out for him. Like, oh oh, he's like six well, I mean, months out of his time. <laughs> okay. <laughs> like, I, you know, I don't want to give you that point, but like, that's kind of funny how that worked out. I was gonna say, there's no way in hell that man is playing 4D chess, or is it 4D chess? Task Force uh, Maestro Mike Pence at the helm. So here's the tinfoil hat: is uh, the virus, uh, you know, started in this Chinese bio agency over in Wuhan, right? Mm-hmm. So there, there's two tinfoil hats here. One is it was obviously a Chinese invention that went intentionally went wrong just to see how like a virus would spread so that they could do like a more dangerous virus in the future. Like interesting take. Try Okay. Okay. It's a trial. Okay. The second take is... It was planted by a different government intentionally trying to uh, screw up the uh, crazy Chinese 
economy because apparently they're losing upwards of $20 billion a day every day this virus has gone on. They're going to lose oh, like $1 trillion by next week. So your two theories basically boil down to China was trying to fuck over the rest of the world or the U.S. hacked China? Pretty much. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> All right. So here's here's two more, a little bit more U.S. focused. Does the coronavirus help Trump or Bernie more? So it could depress voter turnout in November. Or everybody might think, wow, free healthcare looks really fucking good right now. I think it's going, if it continues to get bad, I think it will worsen voter turnout because people won't want to go to voting booths. And that hurts Bernie more than the idea of, oh, I'm going to get tested for coronavirus for free. Would, would... So you think people hate hate socialism so much that they're willing to die <laughs> rather than get free healthcare? No, I think when, like when push comes to shove on that, it's yeah. like people aren't going to want to risk getting sick right, right. to risk getting the cure for free. <laughs> like, <laughs> um, will you be investing in any of the streaming companies, which are probably going to make bank if everybody's just going to stay at home? during coronavirus summer that was smart i should have bought youtube stock like a month ago oh uh, i mean and yeah. streaming services i think are going to do pretty well podcast services like ours i think there's gonna be a lot more listeners uh in our future i mean you think the chinese streaming market is rolling in it right now because they're like oh, two months ahead of us on this right <laughs> so like geez that would have been what to get into but you know, I can't buy foreign stocks, so that's awkward. But uh, I, I'm convinced that it's going to... I think it will get a swine flu bad in terms of, like, mortality numbers at the end of the day, but I don't think it will get much worse than that here. And then uh, the last question I have is, if coronavirus uh, comes to the NBA, which NBA player will be the first one to contract coronavirus? James Dolan. Let's go. Get him out. That's how we get rid of him, boys. <laughs> you know what be funny is if all 29 teams, except for the Rockets, uh, get coronavirus, and then Daryl Moore is like, yeah, see, you, fuck, you should have fucking sided with Hong Kong. <laughs> this is your karma, bitch. <laughs> you see, we lean into the analytics, and we... <laughs> <laughs> uh, and that is the answer for your coronavirus tips and tricks brought to you by Daryl Morey and Michael Patel. And with that, we will greet you all next week with a coronavirus updates, as well as what you can do to shoot more threes and by threes, we mean get the vaccine whenever it comes out. We appreciate you watching, listening, tuning in. Give it a like, comment, subscribe, thumbs up, favorite. Save it for later to your watch now. Or, uh, you know, just uh, tell your friends. Feel better, get healthy. If you find yourself staying at home all day, uh, go back to some of our old episodes and tell us how bad our hot takes were and how much of them actually never came true. And so we will see you all next week.